to the Feed You podcast, giving you the real scoop on raising your business to new heights. Expert education, inspiration, and motivation to fuel your purpose, your passion, and your profits. Here's your host, Elisa Connor. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Feed You Podcast. I'm so excited to have you all here this week. Thanks so much for joining me. And we are talking taxes. If this is your first week visiting, welcome, welcome. This podcast is uh, created for you to feed all the parts of your business, inside, outside, um, the mental aspects, and all of those other parts. And we are full on business today as we are talking tax prep and getting ready for tax season. I've invited my special guest, both a friend and a colleague, Brenda Bowen from Peace of Mind Accounting to give us the inside scoop on how to get ready for taxes and how to prep our books all year long so we are ready when our accountant asks us for all of the paperwork that we need. Now, if you're anything like me and you're a creative, taxes are, I don't know, kind of your worst nightmare. <laughs> I just do not love taxes and I know they need to be done and I do a good job of prepping them, but there's still just that piece of bookkeeping that you're just like, hey. So Brenda has some tips for us today on how to get organized and stay organized or hire the help you need to do all of that for you. Brenda has been taking care of accounting for many, many years, and she's an expert in QuickBooks and QuickBooks cleanup. I don't know about you, my QuickBooks is sort of a nightmare. And um, my accountant, as sweet as she is, is just like every year has things that she goes, why didn't you do this? And I'm like, I don't know, I forgot. But Brenda is really good at looking at a balance sheet or a profit and loss statement report and letting you know what's been set up and used correctly or incorrectly in QuickBooks. She is the brain behind the software and is a QuickBooks expert. Sometimes she looks at your books or the books of her accounting clients and she looks at it like a puzzle and it's just like a tangled necklace. And as soon as you figure one little component out, it can lead to another problem or a resolution. She has spent years training other businesses and other business owners how to clean up their books so that they have a well-managed and oiled machine. And she also is very frequently giving out tax tips and resources so that you can more effectively manage your own business expenses because as much as I don't like it, it's a really important part of my business and I know it is of yours too. So without further ado, please help me welcome Brenda Bowen to the Feed You podcast. So help me welcome to the show my friend Brenda Bowen. She's going to talk to us all about accounting and bookkeeping and how to keep your sanity as an entrepreneur. So welcome to the show, Brenda. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here. You have such an interesting story. I would love for you to tell the audience a little bit, like when I met you, you lived here and you've had an adventure since then. So will you share a little bit about your adventure and how you ended up back in Colorado and you still managed to keep your business going while you were not here? Sure. Yeah. I had been a mobile bookkeeper for like seven years where I went to all the different clients' locations. And then um, I had my daughter-in-law working for me who was married to my son who was in the Navy. And so I thought she was going to be moving away and I needed to come up with a process and system to do things more virtually. 
um, and kind of move that direction. So I started down that road of setting up the new systems, and little did I know that I would be the one moving um, to Alaska. And so luckily I had um, passwords and all the information on my clients and all pro web tools um, and got everything on Dropbox. We had our system going that we could do things with our clients remotely. And I moved to Alaska and was able to take my laptop with me and um, still be able to work as long as I had internet while I waited for the month and a half for the rest of my office to arrive by barge. Um, and during that time in Alaska, I lived in a remote area that you could only get to by plane. And um, there wasn't a lot of people. There was about a thousand in the whole borough. And I had to come up with other ways to keep networking from a distance. And luckily, Zoom came on board um, or in, into my life. So I was able to stay connected with my Colorado networking friends while I was in Alaska. And Facebook and social media helped me um, stay connected and tell my story about Alaska as much as I could. And then the time came where my husband was being a bush pilot. That's why we went up there. And uh, he gave me the option, would you like to stay in Alaska, move somewhere else, or where would you like to go? And my kids and my granddaughter are here in Colorado, and I miss the sunshine of Colorado. So we um, moved back, and luckily I was able to keep all my clients. And during that time in Alaska, I started adding clients in California and all across the country. And um, I think they thought it was kind of cool to have a bookkeeper that lived in Alaska. And uh, it really did help uh, spur my business virtually across the country, and it just keeps growing from there. That is awesome. I love that story. And uh, I think it really gives testament to what, you know, is going on in our world. So I know um, I have a lot of creatives and I have a lot of people that we know just enough to be dangerous when it comes to bookkeeping and accounting. And my listeners likely don't ever want to touch bookkeeping or accounting, but they have to. So can you, can we just start with like some simple tips to like take the fear out of it and take the headache out of it? And just, you know, what you would recommend to get started to efficiently and effectively have your bookkeeping under control? Sure. The, the first thing is that I see a lot of um, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, is that they mix their personal and their business together in the same checking account. And so um, when it comes tax time, and even if they're doing their own bookkeeping, they're having to go through and pull all those receipts to figure out what was personal, what was business and separate all that and that creates a lot of frustration and extra time and so if they can um, learn that new habit of making sure that they're using their business checking account for all their deposits that are income and all of their expenses or using a credit card that's just for business expenses and the combination of the two then every expense should be on a statement and so then it doesn't matter about the receipts you're not going to have to look at those unless you um, don't remember what a specific thing was for. So you're only having to look for a few receipts and having to look at every single um, transaction. And then when it comes time that your business has grown big enough that you can outsource your bookkeeping and have somebody help you, everything on your business accounts are there that you can easily hand over the statements um, or get the online bank logins so that they can take that information and put it in QuickBooks for you and reconcile it. And so that's the biggest thing that's, that costs them way more money and time when they're mixing their personal and business together. And um, 
And the other part of the receipts is, you know, if you can use Dropbox, if you're getting receipts that come in um, or you're ordering things online and you get an email with a receipt, use Dropbox to save that document to it right from your email. And so then it's filed away. If you need it, you have it. You can share it with whoever's doing your bookkeeping. Um, and then if all those paper receipts, just have a folder, um, a file folder that has January through December. And if that bill was paid in December, put it in the December folder. If the receipt says December, put it in December. So you want your receipts, which what they're dated, will be the same as what's on the statements. And so they connect back. So if you ever are looking at your statement and you don't know what to code something to, you only have to go to that month's folder, find that receipt, and then know what to code it to. So it makes it a lot simpler and easy just to empty out your car, your purse, your um, whatever you're throwing all your receipts in your pockets. Just throw it in the folder for the month and you're not having to separate and figure out all of that. And you only need that if you get a tax audit and have to pull out your documentation. But rarely um, do admins, business owners, or bookkeepers ever really need to look at too many receipts during the year. Okay. To keep it Perfect. Okay, so while we're talking about receipts, I'd love to go through like some of the just normal write-offs, like because there's a lot of tax changes that occur every single year, and I think there's even more coming down the pike now. So when you're out and you're so, for example, I just ordered client gifts, and there are probably um, restrictions on client gifts, but I, I don't know that people necessarily know or understand the differences between what you can write off and what you can't write off in. Um, I know you can't do individual uh, advisement or anything like that for people, but can you just give us some general, like, this is what you should be on the lookout for, this is what you should avoid, um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So client gifts you um, can write off as a deduction. So especially realtors that maybe buy closing gifts um, for each closing, they can write those off. Um, you can also, like, have subcontractors, you can write them give them a gift per se um, and write that. I just lump them all together as a client appreciation um, gift and that is deductible. The one thing that changed this year is entertainment in the past was part of meals and entertainment and you could write off. So if you took people to the Rockies game or to a concert or something like that, you were able to write that off. In 2018, it is not a deduction anymore. So you want to I would say to be safe, avoid like buying concert tickets as gifts or, or sporting events as gifts, just the whole entertainment. So more of like gift cards or actual gifts um, that you wrap and give to them or gift baskets are totally fine to use as a write-off. On the meals part, um, everything that you do for business, like if you go out with a client, if you're traveling for something for business and you're eating out, you will log it as the full amount of the meal, but when it comes to the end, the tax accountant's only going to be able to write off 50% of that. And in the past, like if you bought coffee and different food supplies for your office, that used to be 100% write-off, and now that is also only 50%. So anything that is food-related, just put it all to meals. Um, it could just be one category, and the tax account will take 50% of that. The only exception is that you are allowed to do one holiday party or barbecue, and that is 100%. So if you want to have um, your employees or people that work for you um, and have a holiday party, that you can write off um, at 100%. 
So you want to make sure in your bookkeeping you have meals, which will be 50%, and then your one holiday party or barbecue as a separate um, expense so you can get full credit for that. Okay. And I know one of the things that um, people forget to log is their mileage. And so can you talk a little bit about mileage and the benefits of logging your mileage? And maybe if you have, I have a tool I use, but you may have another one that you recommend for people to track mileage. Yeah, that, that's a huge one for entrepreneurs is because most of the time they're using a vehicle that's personal, but also for business. And so you, that can really add up if you're driving around a lot and networking a lot. Um, you want to keep track of your mileage. So you have to turn in some kind of log or you have to have a log on file if you ever got audited. Um, the tax accountants like to see that log because they know then that you have documentation. Um, there are a lot of apps um, on the phone and you can try out different ones. There are some that you can, that will pick up your GPS um, so you don't have to remember um, to turn it on and turn it off. Um, so you can use something like that or there's ones where if you use different vehicles at different times um, for driving around, then you can actually enter in the odometer start and date and date um, for that so that you can keep track of different vehicles um, and most of those apps, you can export it to Excel, so you can have a report for the end of the year as documentation. Um, some people who aren't techie like that or might forget, just have a little notebook in your car that you can write the beginning odometer reading, the date, and the end, um, and then that way you can create an Excel spreadsheet after the fact. I've seen some people use the old check registers um, that you get from the bank. No one hardly ever uses them anymore, but it's got the columns and the lines, and and that's a small little thing, too. You could stick in your car and just keep track of your mileage that way. Um, and the IRS every year changes the rate that you can time that mileage by, um, but it does definitely add up. And your other option is if you are a business big enough that you have a vehicle that you use solely for business, you can um, get a vehicle or at least a vehicle in the name of the business and then write off all actual expenses. And so that would be your tires, your oil changes, your gas. Um, but most entrepreneurs who use both personal and business, you have to use the mileage is the best way to do. Okay, perfect. Now, I think the biggest fear of most business owners is that they're going to get that letter in the mail from the IRS. Mm -hmm. So would you give us just like, like a here's the five steps to take if you get that letter like what's the first thing you should do and deep breaths is probably one of them but <laughs> yeah, yeah walk us um, through some like, of those, like yeah some of those letters um the irs sends out automatically their computer system and sometimes i've noticed that the issue has been resolved or um, maybe it's something way back in the past it could have been a couple of years ago you got to look at the top corner of the letter and see it gives you the date period that that it's talking about. And so look at that first, because most of the time um, business owners get that and they freak out and it has something to do with like two or three years ago because the IRS can pull stuff out like seven years back um, if they wanted to. And sometimes things that are resolved do come back to life with the IRS and you just keep all your documentation um, anytime you have to send anything into the IRS because it might come back, you might have to send it again because they, it goes in the mail and you're relying on them to get it and process it correctly. Um, if you have an, a tax accountant who does your taxes, 
um, that would be the first thing you would read that letter and see is it have to do with my personal income tax or my business income tax and if it does copy that letter send it to your tax accountant and have them look at it because they'll be able to advise you quickly on it because they know what your tax return or what the deal was if it's a payroll issue which um, is a lot of times what the letters are it's because somebody paid the payroll taxes late or they noticed that there was some discrepancy in the reports compared to what was paid and so then whoever's doing your payroll if you have a payroll company or a bookkeeper doing it send it to them and then they'll um, review it and address it and send whatever letters they need to to the IRS because they'll already have all the documentation for you and you that's what you're paying them for is when you get those letters for them to help you. And if your payroll person or your bookkeeper or your tax account isn't willing to help you, then I think it's time to shop around for a new one. <laughs> Which is awesome that you just brought that up because that's good. that was gonna be one of my questions is like, I think a lot of people have fear of hiring an accountant because they don't want it to be a nightmare. So are there some questions that you, you could offer the audience that they should be asking so that they're filtering out information and they know that they're hiring um, somebody that is honest and forthright and that is going to actually protect them and not just throw them to the wolves if the IRS comes calling. Do you have any of those questions or suggestions of questions to ask? Yeah. So the, that conversation you have with your um, bookkeeper or your tax accountant um, really needs at the beginning needs to be, you need to feel comfortable. So ask a lot of questions, see how they communicate back with you. Um, and ask them directly, if I got a letter from the IRS, what do you do? What's your process or system? If they say it's all up to you, then that's probably not who you want to deal with. Um, and usually, you know, for people that I do payroll with, if there was an issue um, and it was an error on our end, then it's my responsibility, that's how I take it, to fix it. Now, there are some people that might not, and, and if that's the case, even if you have where you started with somebody and you're not happy and the communication's not there or the support's not there that you want, then um, it really is if you find another bookkeeper or tax accountant that's used to, um, I get a lot of that come from me from somewhere else. And so either I work with the past bookkeeper or the past tax accountant if they're switching tax accountants and getting the information being the go-between to get the information needed. Because I know what to ask for, what I need, or what the tax accountant's gonna ask and need. So I kind of am that mediator between to get um, that information. So I think sometimes you can find that out if you just take a little bit of time at the beginning to ask some questions on how they handle things and just kind of read, the, read them from there. And then I would say for sure nowadays with the internet, it's wonderful that you can find information on people, whether it's on Facebook or their website or other Yelp or other um, review sites that you can see what some people are saying. And if you're maybe in question, if it's not a personal referral, that you're still wondering if the referrals are good, then ask them for a name of one or two of their clients that that you could call and ask their experience how it was so that you know for sure that you're getting somebody um, who knows what they're doing. So say if you're looking for a new tax accountant, a lot of times the bookkeeper is a good one because they're seeing what's being done. They're, they're, 
they get the side of both pictures. And so a lot of times they can give you some advice on what to ask on the next text account or say, these are the questions you should ask them about pertaining to your business. And then that way they're going to that meeting with questions in hand because sometimes they don't know what to ask for. So um, communication to me is key. <laughs> so find somebody you're comfortable communicating with. Perfect. Okay. So when you're an entrepreneur, typically, especially when you're starting, you don't really pay yourself. So my question is like, when do you know that it's time to make yourself an employee or move away from contractors and move to employees? So you're doing payroll. Like when is the tipping point for that? When you become, usually when you become an S corp. So um, your tax account is going to be the one that's should or you should ask them that every year as your business is growing. Am I to a point I need to become an escort? Because there's a tipping point which is over a hundred thousand typically, um, and it also depends on what you got going on personally. If you have, you know, if you have a spouse and what their um, W two, you know, if they're an employer or have a small business, if you have rental properties, because that's the whole big picture is part of. Um, it's not always just your your business that affects the whole tax strategy. And so um, when you become an S-Corp, you have to run payroll. That is one of the rules. So up to that point, you could just do owner's draw um, to pay yourself. And a lot of times at the beginning, businesses are having to put their own personal money into the business. So you want to make sure you log that if you want to get paid back later and be able to take it out of the business and not have to claim it as income, you're going to want to put it as a loan from the business owner or a, a notes payable, shareholder notes payable. So that way, as the business gets better, you can pay yourself back. And it's just, there's no income. Uh, it's just moving the money back to you personally. Um, so you want to make sure you have that on the books, um, especially if you want to get paid back. <laughs> Um, but yeah, once you become an S-Corp, you have to do payroll. If you have people working for you, if they're subcontractors and they also work for other people, then you can continue to pay them as a subcontractor. But if somebody's coming to your office using your equipment and you're telling them when to show up uh, and be there, then they're an employee. And then you'll have to add them as payroll, even if you're not an S-Corp yet um, and you're not taking payroll, you will need to set them up as an employee, if that's the scenario. Okay, that's good to know, because I don't think a lot of people realize that there are a lot of stipulations between contractor and employee. So thank you for spelling that out. Mm -hmm. um, the other question that I had is, okay, so entrepreneurs usually try to write everything off we can, because we don't <laughs> yeah. want to pay taxes on it. Right. But that can be a pickle if you are trying to buy a car or buy a house or you're trying to up your credit. So what is a strategy that kind of brings balance between those two so that people can, you know, when they are ready to go upgrade their house or whatever, they can do that? Right. I've, I came into that problem when I moved to Alaska. <laughs> and yeah, they, the, a lot of times the mortgage companies or some of the banks, they don't always understand um, self-employed individuals. They're used to just W-2 employee. You know, they have, this is my W-2. I put it in the box in the mortgage thing. But sometimes with entrepreneurs, you get that issue because you are trying to write off as everything you can take as a deduction. You're taking it because you don't want to have to pay more taxes than you need to. But yes, that's correct. Sometimes then the bottom line at the end 
doesn't look as profitable and makes it harder to get a loan. And so sometimes it might be shop if you can, if you have that option to shop around more to other mortgage companies that understand or do more um, business with entrepreneurs or self-employed individuals um, because then they won't be um, as tough on you and making you jump through as many hoops because they do as a business owner make you jump through hoops to get a loan for like a new house or something. Um, but I would say, you know, unless you know ahead of time that you're going to be um, buying a house and that might be an issue. But then again, you know, you got to make that decision. Like I still say, take all the deductions that you can. So you pay less taxes and then, and then shop around more for different mortgages that might maybe more uh, self-employed friendly. Okay. But it is an issue sometimes. <laughs> it is. Awesome. Well, with tax season, this is going to roll out right before we're getting ready for tax season. Do you have any tips or things that you think people should know as they're preparing and as they're getting ready and maybe they were slacking and didn't do anything and now it's February and they need to get everything ready for next year. Do you have any tips around that? Yeah. Um, so a lot of my clients have um, home offices. And so a lot of um, people are afraid to take that home office exemption or deduction because they've heard you get a chance to get audited more frequently if you do. Um, but I think if you do it correctly and give all the information to the tax accountant, you should be fine. So what you want to make sure you do if you have a home office is take the full square footage of your house so that's one number. And then the square footage of your office. And your office, um, the IRS wants to be just your office. So it's not a spare bedroom. It's not the kids' playroom. <laughs> it's just your office. And so then you figure out what that percentage is. Maybe that's 10% of your house is your office. And so then on your personal side, that is something you got to keep track of because you're, it's not what you're paying through the business. You're paying that personally. But you want to then create a report and give the information of like what you paid in mortgage or rent, what you paid in insurance, homeowners insurance or renters insurance, what you paid in utilities, which can include your trash, water, sewer, electric, gas, um, maybe even HOA dues. Um, so you want all of that figured out and then the tax account will take 10% of whatever that is and use it as a write-off. So if you have that all, Add it up ahead of time. That'll be something separate than your profit and loss and your balance sheet for your business. So make sure you gather all of that information um, so you can give them because that can make a huge difference too in a big deduction if you have a home office. Um, and you don't need to be afraid to take it if, if you have that documentation and your tax accountant has all the info. Um, another thing that I would say to do is... Um, especially if you already have something in QuickBooks, is make sure you're doing the reconcile um, section. So a lot of people will put it in there and they see the bank feeds coming in, especially on QuickBooks Online, and they're thinking that it's balanced. But unfortunately, there are a lot of times I'm finding that the bank feed doesn't always 100% come in right, um, or it drops transactions and it misses transactions, or maybe some have been put in twice. And so unless you do that reconcile part, you're not going to know for sure that your numbers are correct. Um, another thing that I see is that if you do your own invoicing in QuickBooks, you want to make sure that you've received the payment and connected to the deposit. If you haven't done that step, 
and you've put just all of your deposits as income, you've now put twice as much income as you actually have. And so you don't want to pay more, more uh, taxes on income you really didn't get. Um, so make sure you've done those steps or I think it's beneficial. I have a lot of clients that do their own books, um, but they just have me review it for end of year. So if they did make any mistakes or things were set up wrong, I can get those corrected and which saves them money. Um, a lot of times in either they've missed deductions or the income's not posted correctly or um, it creates a um, problem to where they don't, they're not sure that the information is right or I'm finding out later that it is and they're having to amend a tax return. So sometimes just spending that little bit of time to have somebody review it and look it over is beneficial if your tax account isn't doing that for you, which a lot of times they don't want to. They just want to take that information and put it in your tax return. And you as a business owner, no matter who's doing the bookkeeping, you're ultimately responsible for the information that's being given to the tax account. Right. So I know this is um, going to be hard to pull a number out, but I'm just curious, like what can people expect to pay as entrepreneurs for both bookkeeping on average and also for their taxes? Because I think some people are like way up here and some people are way down here. And so on average, you'd like to know, like, if I'm going to hire this person, I want to make sure they're not totally off the radar and charging me way too much or way too little. Can you just give us kind of some average in that? In those yeah, areas? I, well, most of my small business clients um, are usually in that, the smaller range, the average ones are about 150 a month is what you usually can figure out. Even if you're doing all, if I'm doing all of 2018 going back to January, it's usually figuring out about 150 a month. Um, now there are companies that we get that have more transactions and they're falling into the 300 to 500 a month. Um, but most small businesses that have home offices that are solopreneurs, they're usually around the 150 um, a month, um, usually figures out pretty good. On the return part, um, when you're um, a sole um, member, um, an LLC sole member, you are doing it through your personal return. So they're taking that information and putting it on, bless you, putting it on a, um, on your Schedule C, on your tax return. So the price is doing that Schedule C of your business along with your personal return. And so a lot of those I see anywhere between three to 300 to 500, depending on the tax accountant. And a lot of um, S-Corps are paying around 600 to 800, um, depending on what they got. But a lot of times, too, I'm seeing that S-Corp, it's their S-Corp return, and it's also their personal return. So um, it's kind of, and it depends on what part of the country you're in, uh, the tax accounts. Of can course. If it's a huge uh, CPA firm, you're going to be paying, some of those are paying 1200 to $1,500 a year for their tax return. Um, so you don't need, there are people, um, accountants that are just tax accountants that not necessarily are CPAs and you don't have to have a CPA doing your tax return. If somebody has years of experience in tax um, that, and that's all they focus on, they're as good as a CPA. Because um, some CPAs do lots of different things um, and so sometimes they're not always up on all of the most current tax laws. They're, they should be, 
but not necessarily all the time, or the technology or the apps or the things that you might be needing them to help you with. Um, where I find some that are just tax accountants seem to, they're, they're honed in more um, I, a lot of times. And you can pay more reasonable fees to somebody who's not part of a huge CPA firm because they have more overhead. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, thank you for that. I just think people need to have a ballpark of where to start and realize, you know, there is a range. It's going to depend on where you are. It's going to depend on the experience. It's going to depend on how much work you need to have done. But I think if people are really kind of afraid to hire a bookkeeper because they're like, I can't afford that. And we all know, if you continue to hold on to all the pieces of your business, you can't scale your business. So that's why I wanted to have that piece in there. Right. Well, so I would love for my audience to get to know a little bit more about you. And I have these fun questions that I created called coffee questions. So I'm going to pop a few of those out there and um, have you answer just because it's fun and people can <laughs> know a little bit more about Brenda. Okay. Um, okay. So do you have three things that you do to start your day every day? I'm a night girl, so I'm the one that's up till <clears throat> midnight, two o'clock in the morning, still sending out emails or working. And so in the morning, I am slow. I wake up and my brain does not kick in. So um, like a lot of people have these morning routines, that professional development stuff, they do it in the morning. I'm more at night before I go to bed to do a little bit of reading and um thinking or planning for the next day so I know when I get up or what time I have to get up <laughs> um, for the next day. Um, so I'm more of a sleep-in kind of girl and don't have a morning routine. It's get up, get in my office, or get ready and out the door for a networking event. So Awesome. I think people need to know that because not everybody is a morning person. So <laughs> I'm glad you shared that. Okay, do you have a favorite way to learn? Video, audio, read blogs, or a combination? Combination. I'm a researcher, so I guess I'm a problem solver. So uh, get clients might have an issue with something, no matter whether it's bookkeeping related or it could be some other kind of business thing, and they've told me it, then my mind, I'm curious. I want to know for myself, and I want to like help them. So I will, if it's a YouTube video, if it's an actual like how-to, um, I might do that and then I can share it with them so that they can watch it and do it if it's something like that. Um, it might be, yeah, reading blogs, other things I find on the internet. If it's bookkeeping related and I've found the information, um, sometimes I'm using Zoom video and creating little videos with the client's um, QuickBooks on the screen and showing them how to go about finding it and doing it. Um, so that they can rewatch it if they need to. Um, but that seems to be um, helpful. And that's just something I started this year using Zoom more video. Awesome. Okay, so what was the one thing that you missed the most living in Alaska? Oh, going into a grocery store <laughs> and shopping like a normal person. We had to order everything online and have it shipped in the mail. And so you had to really plan a couple of weeks out. Um, and wait for it to show up. We did. We were lucky in that our village did have two little stores, one on the ocean side and one at the Air Force Base side. Um, so we could go in if you were desperate and you wanted um, a tomato or some lettuce or something like that or milk or cheese, you could get it. But it was the prices were shocking. And sometimes they didn't even have the price on there. It was like, how bad do you want it? And you were going to pay it no matter what it said. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> that it makes you grateful for your grocery store, even when they're out of the things you want. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a favorite um, between Mexican and Italian food? Which is your favorite? Mexican for sure. Okay. <clears throat> I love Mexican food. Um, let's see. One more. Batman or Superman? Um, I, I don't really, I never got into the superhero <clears throat> characters. So I don't, yeah, I don't even know really the difference between the two of them. So okay. sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Um, let's see here. What is your favorite way to spend your free time? Mine is anytime because I'm in front of a computer hours and hours, it's getting outside. And so the mountains, the sunshine, um, being around trees, running water is my way of getting a little break and peace and reset. So getting out in nature. Nice. Well, you have been just a wealth of information. I'm so appreciative that you've been here. Would you please tell my audience how they can learn more about you and if they need individual help, how they can connect with you? Sure. Uh, my website is uh, www.peaceofmindacc.com. Um, we also have a Facebook page. Um, I'm on a couple different directories. So if you just search Peace of Mind Accounting, we are located in Millican, so you'll find us in Google in Millican, um, Colorado. But again, we do um, service clients across the country. And I will put the links for all the ways to connect with Brenda in the show notes, so you can go and find those uh, with this episode. And I so appreciate you being here. So thanks for sharing your information and your knowledge with my audience. And I hope we will have you back again. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it. Thanks. This episode is being brought to you by my new master training, Pretty Doesn't Pay the Bills. If you've invested in all the aesthetics of building a brand, including picking the right fonts, picking the right colors, and creating that magazine-worthy website, yet you're still not seeing any additional traction, clients, or money in your business, this master training is built for you. In this master training, I will cover the three essentials that your brand is missing in order for you to gain the traction you need, get in front of the people you need to get in front of, turn them into paying customers, and last but not least, create the business that you love. To join me for this free training, please visit my website, alisaconnor.com forward slash pretty. I'll see you inside and I look forward to having the opportunity to share this training with you. Again, you can find the link to join the training at alisaconnor.com forward slash pretty. Thanks for listening to the Feed You Podcast at www.alisaconnor.com forward slash podcast.